Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. For people listening, I need to do an actual intro. I know. <laughs> we just love talking so much. We love talking. <laughs> Andrew but, and I are buddies, so we'll just talk yes, forever. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's all good. Well, I think this is perfect to get into your story yeah. as we talk about our backgrounds. But yeah. for people listening, this is Shannon Payton, which I am <laughs> so excited, so happy to have on the show today. I was on, I recorded an episode on her show last year, which I'm excited for people to hear and I love her podcast, just the authenticity of it. And she talks about her own personal life. And it's interesting because I think Shannon is also known as Shanny Pants Online. And from the outside looking in, I don't think anyone would ever guess that you grew up in a cult unless right. they found some of your videos that refer to that. And it's incredible how you turn your pain into humor in a sense yeah. and have become such a humorous and funny person. Yeah, for people listening, yeah. So she does a lot of funny videos on My line. <laughs> yes, yeah. they wonder. Yeah, and like, okay, you were on the Kelly Clarkson show yes, for your funny I videos, was. so yes. they are great. So please do not be if like Kelly likes them. You better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kelly's the best. There is so much that you have done, like your life. So there's so much to dig into. And I think for my podcast, I love to see people's stories chronologically and how they got to be the person that they are today and where they want to go in the future and continue growing. In the beginning of your story, tell me about, which I know this is a, there's so much to dig into this question. Yeah, I know that's okay. <laughs> so much, but about your experiences of growing up in a cult. Oh yeah. Lots to share. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I did, I was born into basically a high control religious group and which now I refer to as a cult. It was, but we, my parents were born into it very similar to yours. Like you say, mm -hmm. no one could do no wrong or yeah, nobody could do wrong. It was wonderful, uh -huh. but it was a very close. That was our community. We didn't have outside friends. Some children went to public school. We did. Most mm -hmm. children were homeschooled. So we had friends maybe at school, but we weren't allowed to do any extracurricular activities, mm -hmm. sports, and you wouldn't like ever go to a school friend's house, like for mm -hmm. a birthday party or anything like that. Yeah. So it was literally just at school. I was bullied very mm -hmm. heavily all through school and we dressed differently than most. We wore long skirts and we couldn't wear like tank tops. We had to have sleeves. 
no piercings, no tattoos, no nail polish, all the kind of no makeup, all the mm -hmm. outward appearance stuff. We definitely appeared different. Mm -hmm. So that was a big reason that I yeah. was bullied so much because and kids are me. So, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so we grew up every we didn't live like on a compound or anything, but we lived near a lot of people that we we called them meetings. We went to meetings with. We never would refer to ourselves as a church because churches were denominational and we wouldn't take a name either because you would should uh -huh. just be like meeting as a group under God's name and there should be no sign or name or anything. We would just meet in like little grange halls or people's homes. And so every Sunday we spent together, Friday nights and Wednesday nights, and that was of our life and we didn't mm -hmm. really have a social life outside of that we if we did hang out with anyone it would always be people from meetings you didn't really hang out with anyone else so that's how I lived my whole life we didn't celebrate any holidays um, yeah nothing so oh it was no. pretty pretty limited whenever there was holidays we would have to get together as a group to discourage you from participating mm. in anything so every Halloween we'd be together. Uh, every Christmas we had a whole weekend camp. We called it. Oh, and yeah, but mm. it was not fun. But at the camps, we we met at big fairgrounds, uh -huh. and so we called them assemblies. So like our little local assembly, we probably had about hundred people here, and then there were other assemblies. We had four in California, and then there was a couple others in different states. But during camps which was the big ones were July and December, all assemblies would come to camps or as whoever wanted to from the assemblies. So as teens and stuff, that's when you're scoping out your possibilities for who you're going to marry because you're limited, very limited on your, yes. on your options. Oof. And yeah, so I knew who I was going to marry by the time I was 12. Oh, and wow. Okay. Yeah. And he was 14, almost 15. And I, and we did, we got married. I was 19 when we got married and you didn't go to college. You didn't, mm. you just, a lot yeah. of the guys worked the guy, like women didn't work, but guys would have pretty normal jobs, but a lot mm -hmm. of them like would work for their dads or someone in the assembly. So when I was 19, we got married and you went from living with your parents to moving in with this person who you mm. really barely know yeah because we didn't like date or anything you were always with the group and that's how you got to know each other was like hanging out all together so yeah so it was a really rocky start just because you're given absolutely no tools and mm. anything going from living with your family to living with another person is a huge change so there's no really transition but growing up it was just really a very confusing childhood. Our family tended to be a little bit rebellious. So we would do real rebellious things like sneak to Disneyland <laughs> and like maybe we would sneak and watch Sound of Music. Ooh, scandalous. I know. Ooh. I know, I know. Be... <laughs> Trigger warning, Sound of Music. Yeah. We, yeah, so we, we lived pretty, yeah, boring lives. But we are always in trouble. Like our family was a little bit rebellious and they would call them men's meetings because women can't be involved with anything. So mm. because we're just useless. Uh, but yeah. whenever we'd get in <laughs> trouble, if whether you're married or your dad or your husband would have to go to a men's meeting and they would discuss the issue and figure out 
the consequence and such. And so we, my dad, my poor dad was in a lot of men's meetings because my mm. sister and I, and my parents were a bit rebellious too, but my sister and I would wear a skirt that was a little bit too form fitting and they'd uh. have to have a meeting about it. Like we were in trouble all the time. Or mm. I remember I wore nail polish one time and this little three-year-old girl, she was like the daughter of the like song leader person. Oh, She came up she's three years old. And told me that I should not have toenail polish on my toes. And oh, I wow. For it. Yeah, like that. It's so weird. So weird. So I was just very confusing. Like you just grew up feeling, talk about shame. Always yes. very shameful. If you mm. did anything slightly different, wrong in mm -hmm. their eyes, then you just, all the shame. So you grow up very fear-based and then just like that shame, just a lot of shame. And then that ends up causing so many other issues in mm. adulthood yes. that mm. people never think about, I'm sure, but lots of issues. And we grew up like, if you were the right person, things would get shoved under the rug to protect you. But if you weren't to that level, mm. then you're publicly like humiliated, basically, uh. and rebuked. And, and the main thing when people say like, why what was so scary about it? Like, what was it that they held over you, basically? For us, it was, they called them markings or mark to be avoided. And it's basically mm. an excommunication. So that's what they held over us. And our life was this group. We didn't know mm. other people. So yeah. if you could imagine, they're threatening. If you keep wearing pants when you walk to the mailbox, you're going to get marked. Oh, um, my gosh. That's a big deal. Because this is your life. This is your life. These are your people. And in the 80s, when I was very young, we actually had my dad's best friend married his sis my dad's sister. And their whole family were was marked in the 80s. And mm -hmm. so I was a young child, but one of my cousins was like my best friend, and we were really close. And I can remember just like being so confused. And I was too young to understand like what marking was. And, but all of a sudden I wasn't able to hang out with my cousin anymore. And so I can remember up until I don't probably up until I was married, really praying like every night, like, please help their family to get right so that we can see them again, you know, because mm -hmm. they were in the wrong and that's oh. why they were marked. And so just so confusing as a child that, mm -hmm. and then too, like you're raised. So one thing that as an adult I've had to work on is being judgmental. Because mm. you're raised so judgmental yes. where we are right and everyone mm. else is wrong. So I constantly in my brain, I am so judgmental and I shut it down every time because it's, that's one of those things from the past that I'm like, who mm -hmm. am I? Who am I to judge? Who cares? Like it blows my mind. So that's where one of the areas with raising my kids that I am teaching them to be very accepting of anyone and everyone because it was so harmful to have that mindset of being we're right and you're wrong. It really just devastated. It made it mm. really hard too, even once we got out as an adult, because your mind is so skewed with that mm. whole thought process of yes. right and they're wrong. And, and for us, everyone was wrong. Other churches were wrong. 
then non-church people were everyone was wrong we were right we had the way mm. and everyone else didn't so it was just very confusing it was really hard but that was what they held over us was being marked and these were our people it was very mm. scary to think about being marked and we had friends that were marked on and off through the years and so it was just yeah it was not good so yeah that and then we got married really young and like I said, at 12 years old, you're like, tag, he's mine, because you have very limited options. Yeah. So you're like, okay, wait, I'll take that one. <laughs> so we, it was always like a race. Like, who's, oh no, he's cute. I want him. Pretty superficial. And all of our relationships were very superficial. We didn't talk mm -hmm. deep. We did not have deep conversations. It was, what's going on? Or, are mm -hmm. we planning and what's the weather? It was very mm -hmm. superficial because you were too afraid. If you yeah. did release anything real, what if I'm judged for it? Which you would be, mm -hmm. if they think that's bad. And I end up on the stage. Yeah. Anyway, it was very hard as a child to grow up in that. And probably even harder as a teen, just because you understood it more and wanted to rebel even more. Mm -hmm. So it was tough. So then we got married and for women, you basically get married and get pregnant and that's your job. And we couldn't, we didn't get pregnant. And then of course I always, and looking back, I realized it more than probably in the moment, but I judged myself as if God was punishing me for the wrong mm. I had done in my life. Oh no. Wow. And again, I, so such an awful feeling the infertility issues mm -hmm. are not fun at all and then to have that guilt on top of it yeah. was devastating so i made it through we did three years of infertility it was so stressful so hard and and we were still in the cult at this time so you didn't have the support and even how we were talking about Ugh. now the online support you have yeah. now you could join a support group for infertility issues mm -hmm. ever where there there wasn't that back then it was mm -hmm really hard i felt really alone um, and because relationships were so superficial even in my marriage it wasn't a real deep relationship at that mm. point and so i felt really alone and again i felt like it was my fault so once we decided we basically spent all of our money and ran out so then we decided to adopt and i don't have to get into all the specifics of those stories we got a lot of trauma through adopting as well lots of different things happened that were very traumatic and at the time we lived our life with you just stuff your feelings under the rug and you're oh, fine yeah. and move on Ooh. with your life we didn't have we weren't allowed to have outside counseling nothing mm. like that so you literally have no one that you're expressing your feelings to and we went through very traumatic things that now I'm understanding as trauma. Mm. Then I'm just like, get over it. You're fine. Move oh, on. You're tough. Yeah. Uh, so it was, mm. I had a tough personality, but it didn't, it was awful. It was awful. So I, so mm. again, we go through that pretty much alone. And yes, I did have some close friends that supported me, but overall felt very lonely. Mm. Uh, but we did adopt our son. And then at when he was two, is when, when he was probably about one is when things in our assembly started getting a little shaky. A lot of people in our generation and even my parents' generation were starting to question a lot more. 
we were starting to push back a little bit more and even on stuff just like clothing like mm -hmm. why we were always told that how we had to dress was because of modesty mm -hmm. and i always called bs on that because i'm like no if i'm playing volleyball in a skirt and i fall and trip it's more mm -hmm. modest if i'm in pants than a skirt believe me mm -hmm. so i always we always rebelled against that like really we're still using that so anyway things got there was just a lot of turmoil going on, a lot of people pushing. Mm -hmm. Then I have this little child now and I'm realizing I, as this child gets older, I'm going to have to lie to him. Like I mm -hmm. was basically lied to my whole life because yeah. I know my parents never truly stood in what we believed, but they had to, and they did, they chose to, again, they were doing their best. You know? And so I'm realizing I am going to have to do the same thing. And I do not feel good about that. I have, I can't imagine right now telling my son, even though he's only one, that he can't play little league. Mm. That's messed up. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So I start having a lot of these internal questions as things are getting a little bit crazier <laughs> in our group. And then by the time he was two, we left and things basically just started falling apart. You had so many people that were being marked for questioning that marking became irrelevant. And we're like, no, I'm still going to be friends with that person. So I don't <laughs> care if they're marked anymore. Yeah. And so it took away the discipline of marking and the scariness of it because we're like, no, I can still talk to him if I want to. And <laughs> Yes, that's that kind of happened. Yeah. And it felt mm -hmm. good. And so anyway, it ended up falling apart. There were definitely people that stayed, but a lot of us fell apart. My whole family left. My husband stayed a part of or his parents, his brothers ended up all leaving, mm -hmm. but his parents stayed. So I felt like it took a little bit longer for him to like, disconnect mm -hmm. completely, but basically we left or just quit going. And and there are still people that, that meet together all across the mm. country in the groups. They're a lot smaller now, but it's been, then we're out. And so mm. you're like, so I was 31 when we got out uh -huh. and 31. Yeah, I guess so. 30, 31. And so I have this little two, three-year-old kid and we're like, now what? It's, <laughs> I know. It, you, you've yeah. been told your whole life what to do, what to believe, mm. what to wear, what's okay, what's not okay, everything. Like yeah. you're literally told everything. And then it's just us. And we're like, what do, like, you just lived. We didn't even discuss it. It was just like you just lived. But then I wanted to start trying out different churches. But it was like, I don't know, like, that's bad. Like, churches are bad. And it was, really hard to even take that step into a church it was mm. like oh my gosh i can't believe we're doing this so we did it took years honestly to even get mm -hmm. to that point but then we did we like went to a couple churches and it just i don't know it never felt like maybe necessarily so we never really stuck to going to like church i would say <laughs> but i but in that process i didn't meet other people which was really good and it started opening up my eyes to, oh, there are other nice humans in this world besides just our group. Maybe mm. these people aren't all the way wrong. We, we weren't all the way right. Oh, this uh. is interesting. And so we started creating relationships and friendships with other people, which was huge for us because that was very weird.
but at the same time, it was just, I didn't go to therapy right away. It took us like three or four years to start celebrating Christmas. Mm -hmm. Everything was very bad. It just felt so wrong. Even wearing Mm. pants, it was like, I started wearing like baggy pants. And then every time I'm at the store, I'm like looking around. Oh no! Oh my gosh. Is someone going to see me? It took so long for me to get to the point where it wasn't like Mm -hmm. scary to wear pants or shorts outside. So it's all a process. And again, we had a young son. So you're just like survival mode. I felt like when I look back, we were literally surviving just like life. You're just doing life. And it took many years before I started going to therapy, started realizing like, wow, like how many issues I have. And at the same time, I don't think I really, I started learning things for sure, but I didn't just dig in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just, I don't think I really realized the trauma that my past still held over me. Mm -hmm. And then, so I went from there to, then we ended up like having some marriage issues, which of course, because hello. So we had to deal with that and figure that out. So it was just a lot of learning and growing. And then we got to the place where we decided we wanted to adopt again. So we adopted our girls, which we got them, their biological sisters. So they came to our home together when our son Uh was seven and they were months old and two and a half years old when they joined our family. Yeah. (laughs) So we went from one kid for seven years to three. (laughs) And I still tell people, I think we're still like adjusting to it. Uh (laughs) However, many years later, because it was a big adjustment, but it's been amazing. And then really, I think the stress of being a parent and managing three different children and different personalities and lots of different needs really pushed me. I've suffered with depression my whole life, Mm -hmm. but I think it pushed me to a place where I realized more like maybe I need some more help. Then COVID happened and that Mm. definitely told my little heart, you need help. So that's, and I had probably, I had started going to my therapist probably, oh gosh, probably like two years before COVID happened where I was like more serious about it. Okay. I know I've got some issues. Let's try to start Mm -hmm. dealing with them. Then when COVID hit, I'm like, okay, I definitely have issues and I don't want to be this person that I am Mm. portraying right now. So I did end up going on medication and getting some better, more, not better, more help, which helped tremendously. And it brought me to a different place in life where I am today, kind of where I can accept more help. I had a really Mm. hard time accepting help because Mm. you never did. You just did everything and you're Mm -hmm. strong. Nothing bothers me and I'm amazing and I can do Mm -hmm. everything. And it brought me to my knees basically where I'm like, okay, I And I, at that point, I never felt like I really had a spiritual connection of any point. Mm. It was very wishy-washy. I might go do a Bible study or I just never had a deep spiritual connection. And Mm -hmm. that always surprises people because of growing up in such a religious background. Mm. But what I say about that is it was, I feel like for my personality specifically, it was so Mm fear-based. I don't think my brain like could absorb any real biblical knowledge Mm. and i am here i was raised up till i was 30 i was Mm. around the bible 
had Bible verses thrown my way my whole life. And yet Mm -hmm. I am probably like the least biblically knowledgeable person I know. And not because I just don't want to be, but just I did not absorb anything I feel like of great value because mm. I felt fearful. I think yeah. God mm-hmm. was scary. Yeah. The people I was around were scary. Mm. It was very much more appearance based. You know? Like as long as you looked right, everything's cool. So I feel like it took me a really long time to find my spiritual connection. And again, probably right before COVID is when I found that, like, I, Mm. I really found that I do believe in the God that I was raised with, but I view him as a very different being than the one that I remember Mm -hmm. being raised with. And so I started having this connection and feeding it more. And I'm, and then I realized, okay, this is me. This is a part of me. And I feel good Mm -hmm. about this. I'm comfortable with this. And then we ended up finding a church before COVID that we loved. I really wanted to get my kids connected. They kept, I want my kids to have the freedom to do what they want and to choose what they want. But at the same time, they were already, even though they were young, especially my son, wanting that connection. Anyway, we found a church that we love. We started going, then COVID happened. So of course that stops. Yeah. But we... But it was good that I was like feeling connected already because it kept me going through COVID as far as like keeping up on my spiritual mm, growth, which was yeah. very big mm. healing. And then I started, I kept doing the therapy and yeah. really again, that's mm. why I say COVID brought me to a place where, or not COVID specifically, but like lockdown mm. place where I really realized how broken I was. Mm. And, and so, yeah, so I started really working on back stuff in my past. And it was like, I wanted to be like, oh, we got out and life is good. We can do what we want now. We can make our own choices. And yet you still have your past. It doesn't just disappear. You have to deal with it. You do. Oh, unfortunately, Mm, because it sucks. It does suck. It's so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Not fun. I realized like the reason people don't deal with it is because it's so hard. It is not fun, Mm. but it's been so worth it. I have such a long way to go, Mm. but realizing that I need help in life and accepting it has been huge for me. And even with therapy, with medication, accepting help for my friends, like, can you take the kids to school today? I never would have asked for, even though that seems silly, Mm. never would have asked for that. I am like, I'll do it all. So it's been huge accepting help realizing that there are people that want to help and and part of me is the trust I have a really hard time with trust because Mm. of the past and opening myself a little bit to where I can trust friends in my life on more than a superficial level Mm -hmm. that has been one of the biggest things the past couple years has been opening up to friends that I know I should be able to trust but I still hold back Mm. realize like they care about me and they want to help me and they it's okay if I want to cry on their shoulder, because guess what? Maybe next month they'll need to cry on my shoulder and accepting that has been really hard, but huge for me. And I think it's so important for my kids to see that and to that. I realized how toxic it was for me to Mm. try to do everything on my own because I couldn't like 
yes. I don't think that it's possible now that I have accepted help. And mm -hmm. so it's been a journey. It's been a lot of learning. And then to, to wrap my story all around, then when COVID started happening to my humor aside, as far as mm -hmm. helped my healing, I've always had this humor side of me. It's been shut down many times mm. because of how I grew up. Yeah. And so I think I would, the older I got, the more I would stuff my fun mm. side, my humorous side, a little bit rebellious side of me that would get me into trouble. Yeah. And I stuffed it for so long. And finally, when we were in lockdown, I started doing crazy TikToks like everyone else and like finding things to fill our time. And I actually started doing videos with my kids is what started it. And then I had a couple of videos go viral and then it opened up this whole like content creating yes. job ish mm -hmm. ability that I had. And it was really exciting. It was like, this mm -hmm. is cool. This is fun. Wow. I love this direction for me. And then it's crazy how social media gives us these outlets, but it did. And so mm -hmm. I, I started feeling healed by sharing my humor with other people and it felt good. It was mm -hmm. like, wow. And so I started like, okay, if I make one person laugh today, boom, this video mm -hmm. was worth it. And so I really started enjoying that. And then the more I got into it, the more authentic I started getting, mm -hmm. started sharing parts of my story. Actually, I shared one video that was like one of those trendy, like point at the words video. Oh yeah. And it was like your life type thing. And it was like, and I was doing it really just because it was like, oh, it's a uh -huh. trend. Let's do it. And it was like, grew up in a cult, got married, uh, infertility issues, adopted kids. It was like very general, but like mm -hmm. main points, the yeah. highlights of my life. And I started getting such a huge response from that, from people that were trying to adopt, people going through infertility issues, mm -hmm. people that were raised in high control groups. And I was shocked. I did not realize the impact of that mm -hmm. video. And so that one spurred me on to be more authentic. And I would say mostly in my lives is when I really talk authentically, answer people's questions and get real with my, with my fans and followers and this awesome community. But then that started feeling really good too. It's kind of like therapy, but you're not yeah. paying for it. Uh -huh. And it's like, just like this conversation, yes. uh -huh. uh, but it was like, <laughs> It felt uh -huh. good to share parts of my story. And again, I looked back and I'm like, man, I was so alone in so many of these areas. So if I can be that one point of contact for one person that's, like, hey, you know what? She survived infertility. Uh, she made it through. Then, wow. What? First of all, how amazing that I could even have mm -hmm. that impact. But yeah. then- Yay, if I can make people not feel so alone. Mm. There are so many people out there that have dealt with all these different or dealt with all these different through life. And I don't want people to feel alone. And then I started oh. my podcast because basically that reason. I'm like, if I if someone can hear one other person's story and feel less alone, that's mm. like the goal of the podcast. It's yeah. I, I want there and there's amazing stories out there. People mm. like you that someone uh, might connect to you more mm. than me. So if I can bring you on my podcast, mm. someone connects. Awesome. So that was like the goal. And that's been like 
the round out of my journey as far as, and like I said earlier, I've got a long way to go still. And I hope that forever I will always want to be learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, yes, I want to do it for me because I do see the positivity in my journey and in me growing, but ultimately it's for my kids. You want Mm. to see my kids see me as a healthy mom as a healthy person, as a person who is Mm -hmm. sharing authentically with the world, with anyone that listens, Mm. want my kids. I want my kids to see me that way and not perfect. We're not perfect. (laughs) I'll screw up and make mistakes. And I think that's where our growth shows, we can say, Oh, yeah, I, I didn't respond real well that way. Let's try mm-hmm. again. What I should have said, or and that's one thing I do with my kids is I apologize because we're not perfect, and I like uh, them to see that. Yes, Isn't so that great. Yes, I love, I, and it's hard to do that. Yes, it's, it's so, so hard. hard, Andrew. So hard. Yeah, but I want them to see. Hey, mommy screws up. I really do. I do not mm-hmm. make the best choices all the time. But hey, I am sorry and this is what I should have said, or this is what I could have said that would have that made you feel better. Like we have real conversations. It's mm. so important to me because we didn't grow up that way. We yeah. didn't. I want my mm-hmm. kids to come to me with their struggles. I want mm-hmm. them to feel okay with their mistakes because we're all imperfect people and none of mm-hmm. us are doing. Yeah. Every day I'm like, I learned something. I hope mm. every day I learned something and so it's been a journey, Andrew. It has been a journey. It's been, yes. it's, and it continues to be, yes. and it's all been worth it. But I just want to hope that I can share Aww. a little bit with people that will help them feel less alone in this crazy world we're living in. <laughs> uh, thank you crazy. so much. You did. Was that a great s- recap? That was so oh. awesome. <laughs> yes. And like, how much more time do you have? I'm just curious. Oh, I am here for you. You can ask whatever. I'm Okay. All day. (laughs) You're only interrupting my naps. Oh, no. (laughs) No, it's good. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So as you were talking, I'm like, I better start writing things down. So we can, because like, but you are such a great storyteller and seeing all the, of course, and seeing the lessons all on the way and bring it back there were some questions you already answered and I was like oh okay mark that one off she she answered that one (laughs) but love really too and what I've seen in other survivors also is that in this again like we're always healing we're always growing but like it's turning your pain into purpose and for people say turn your mess into a message yes yeah and using that for good and trying to help other people and again like i love how you're like let's i want people to feel less alone if one yeah. person knows that they're not alone and that's so worth it yeah and i think it's so powerful and so important because i think at one point everyone has that experience where oh you feel like you're the only one going through this and especially for the environments that we grew up in especially alone and isolated in a different level. And there's, I think one thing that I did want to dig into to what you're talking about, like that feeling of loneliness in that Mm -hmm. cult and how you were like, the relationships really weren't that deep. And I remember like 
me also struggling with that. And in therapy, like I felt, I felt shame about the harm caused by the lack of socialization that I got growing up, at mm. least or com- really community. And I remember saying, I'm like to my therapist, I'm like, I was around people. Like, why would I be so lonely? And my mm. therapist is like, Andrew, he's like, it has to be more than that. He's a true community is when you are in a group of people where you are seen, you are heard, and you are understood, and you can be and express yourself, and every mm. part of yourself is validated and accepted. Wow. That's true. Wow. And like when he said that, he's like, you didn't get any of that. And it, <laughs> it sounds like you did not either at all. That's and so true. And the thing is, too, as you talk about how you weren't, like, allowed to be yourself, you talk about this part of yourself that you, like, put down. Like, you weren't allowed to be an individual or grow as an individual. You had to conform to the group, be around those same people, and just follow this rigid structure and not think or consider yourself or that you had needs in any respect at all. And... That is so harmful to our growth, like emotionally, psychologically, socially, all the things just as a person. It really is. And I think it's incredible that funny part of you, the part that they demonized, was able to finally come out and show themselves in a sense, like another person like coming out, like this person that was just stuck in there for years. And it's just, I'm so glad that you were able to access that part of yourself and be authentic (laughs) and because it really is soul crushing yeah and it's just and like you said like sadly from those experiences that happen it affects you greatly in your adulthood yeah and your other relationships and how you function in life yeah and like i know i remember you talking about y'all stepping out of the cults yes (laughs) what, what like, now? What yeah. <laughs> Who's and... gonna tell me what to do? <laughs> <laughs> and that is it's such a hard thing to do. And the feelings of that is like to what you were talking about, how you dealing with that indoctrination as you left the group. And someone told me when I left fundamentalist Christianity, they're like, yeah, they're like you leave fundamentalist Christianity, but fundamentalist Christianity doesn't leave you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to therapy it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was also, you were talking about still not agreeing with those like specific belief in that environment, but still like, how, especially like the judgment, like I relate so much yeah. to you're saying about the judgment that would go off for people and again like you still dealing with wearing pants was so hard for you because yeah it was, it was just so wrong <laughs> it was so wrong in that environment are they trying to tell you that and it's interesting as humans how like we're conditioned yeah by these environments like even though like it's so ingrained that even if you don't logically believe that anymore it's right. in there somewhere yeah. in the depths of your mind and it comes yeah. out and it's just ugh, this yeah. little like I it's funny because I call it for me when those things come up the judgment or something from the group I grew up in I call it my inner fundy comes oh out. my gosh I love that I love it. <laughs> my inner fundy comes out yes it's still oh, in there it's yes. hard it's mm. hard and I, I've been out 11 yeah. 12 years now yeah 
I was in for 31. Oh. So it's, and I think mm-hmm. about like my parents' generation, they're out yeah. now. But I think how much more they struggle would have mm. to struggle and work on all the indoctrination they yeah. have endured 30 uh-huh. more years than me. And yeah. so, yeah, it's great. And you know, it's interesting too. I don't, something you said made me think about when I talked about getting, feeling the spiritual draw, like I wanted to, mm. wanted to do church. Like I really yeah. did want to. And, but I think so not only was there the resistance of church was bad. Yeah. That's what we were made to believe, mm. but also like on a deeper level. And I don't know if I realized it at the time, but I definitely realize it now. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to fall back into something else that yeah. felt the same. Mm. And I think that's why it took me so long to find a church where I felt good going to. I see. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's so easy for people. I've seen it happen to many yeah. people that also got out when I, you fall back into almost a very similar thing. Mm. And whether it be a group or a church or whatever, but I'm very like aware of that. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be told what to do. Yeah. I don't. And so I think that was part of my journey too, was like figuring out where I felt okay and safe, mm. I think safe mm. where I'm not. Whenever I get those icky feelings inside of me, the inner mm. fundy, yeah. I don't want those feelings. <laughs> yes. you know? I uh-huh. want to feel safe. I want to feel secure uh-huh. if I'm going into, and I'm not way anything I do. If I go to a seminar on something, it could be business related stuff. I will uh-huh. get really twingy feeling sometime like, <laughs> because you just have this resistance to it. Yeah. But, I've seen people also that have gotten out that I feel like have gotten into groups that are mm-hmm. enough different, but I'm like, oh, but they're kind of the same. It is interesting to see that happen. And then also another thing I was thinking, the amount of people that have reached out to me from my group mm-hmm. um, has been interesting. Like people, my parents age, mm-hmm. um, I was at a funeral not too long ago that was from someone from my past group. And so there was a lot of mix of people there. Yeah. And I had so many people, my parents' age, that generation come up to me and say, and this is what's so funny. Like when I'm being my crazy self on social media, I picture when I'm picturing my audience, I'm picturing mm-hmm. mom, 40 year old moms. That's what I'm picturing. Like, uh-huh. I'm picturing my friends watching these, it, it, but it's bigger. It's, I had these people come up to me that I grew up with adults that I haven't seen in 10, 12 years. And they say, Shannon, we've been watching you. We've been listening to your podcast. You are making a difference. We are so proud of you giving me so much praise Mm. for, so they might not be at the place where they're outwardly speaking their Mm -hmm. story, but they're appreciating that someone from that group Mm -hmm. is. And it made me realize that little bit bigger impact, like you were even, we were talking mm. about earlier, are we making an impact? Is this worth it? We are. There are people listening. There may be people from your group that you have no clue are listening to your podcast yeah. and they're like, okay, Andrew did it. I can do it. Andrew mm. did it. You never know what, who is listening. And it was a neat realization. And the, the amount of DMs I get from people mm. that yeah. are like, oh, shit. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm so glad you're doing this. It's wow. Okay. This is cool. This is, it's good. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I had 
a couple different women on my podcast from my past, from our group, oh, wow. that it's been really interesting hearing their story. It's mm-hmm. like here we grew up very similar, yet are very different. Mm-hmm. They have crazy stories. And anyway, it's just, you never know who you're impacting. So mm-hmm. I just think it's been a neat outlet. I feel like God really has oh. given me this platform. Yeah. And it wasn't by accident that I, it was me, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I have enough of the personality where when I realized that people were connecting over authentic things, I realized, okay, I can mm-hmm. do this. You know, yeah. this is me. I, I can speak out. I can do this. So I do feel like I was given this platform for a reason and that's what keeps me going. Oh, yeah. talk about being depressed and it's hard and we have to deal mm. with all the haters. It, it keeps me going, like knowing there's a bigger purpose, I think. I see. I love that. And that's another question too. I think I'm yeah. glad you had mentioned that because I, you know how cults distort language and redefine things. And so I think what I want to get your perspective on is like, what is spirituality or a spiritual life? What does that mean to you? Because I know, for example, in the environment I grew up in, it was like a checklist of things mm-hmm. to do. And right. It's not personal and it's anyways, but like for you, yeah. when you talk about having a spiritual life and having that spiritual connection, what does that look like for you? So for me, again, probably similar to you growing up, very much a mm-hmm. checklist. Like we went to our meetings and you said your verse and mm-hmm. again, this checklist, very clinical mm-hmm. uh, for me now it is to me when we grew up, we always heard your relationship with God, your relationship with God. That was mm-hmm. so big, but I never felt it. And I never, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe some did, and that's great. You know, I feel it's a feeling I have mm-hmm. connection with a higher power. Mm-hmm. Say God, I feel God do believe it is the God of the Bible who I grew up with. It's just much different now. It's mm-hmm. so different. And so for me, it is more of a feeling. And when I say I am connected spiritually. It is me. Like for me, mostly it's praying. I feel like all the Bible that was stuffed down our throats for all those years. Yes. There's some great, great things in the Bible that we can learn from. For me, it's more about that connection. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's my prayer life. Am, Am I praying? Like I, my prayer life, it's more like conversations throughout the day. It's like talking to myself, but it's God. Literally in my mind, these conversations all day long that I'm having, Mm -hmm. like that is my Mm -hmm. connection because now I feel, I feel that God is a loving Mm -hmm. God that wants that connection with me versus fearful God that is judging me. So Mm -hmm. I view it as a loving relationship now where he wants to hear from me. He cares how my day is going. So for me, it is, it's literally like these conversations in my mm-hmm. head with God all the time. And when I'm not in those conversations, I feel a loss of connection. Mm-hmm. I, I feel not, oh, God's abandoned me, but I feel like, oh, I'm losing touch. Like I need to check mm-hmm. in. I need to have those conversations mm-hmm. because it's a different conversation than I have with any human. I feel like it's just... I view it in which is probably the biggest revelation really is I view it as a non-judgmental conversation in relationship Mm -hmm. versus what I grew up with was the opposite. 
which I'm just realizing that. Wow, this is good. I love that because that kind of, too, also what you're talking about is referring to a state of mind also, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm fascinated with, this idea of being in the space of non-judgment. Isn't that amazing? I know. Look at it's incredible. figuring things out as we chat. Yes. <laughs> it is so great. Like, I love <laughs> that you said that because for me, as I've constructed things from my past and like reconstructing certain things or seeing things from different perspectives. And and I we had talked about this before the recording started of how yeah. like online I want to show my spiritual exploration mm-hmm. and have a space for people exploring spirituality and it's so hard to undo the ideas you were brought up with like I feel like I do believe in God but I feel like my definition is shifting what I grew up with and what that looks like and again it's like that constant state of like growth of I think my beliefs and values or at least essentially I think will change and adjust. Yeah. But again, I love how you've also come to the conclusion of like, I don't want to get to the place where I stop. Because I think Hmm. so important. Hmm. And now again, I've met so many other people in life that Hmm. aren't like me. Yeah. And I'm creating these really deep relationships that are not superficial, like what I grew Mm -hmm. up with. And they're real relationships. And the judgmental part, like not Mm -hmm. judging people, I'm seeing other people that have spiritual lives that are completely Mm -hmm. different than mine. And one of my best friends does not believe in God. And I'm not going to sit here and judge her for it. I'm going to live my life and my relationship with God as I feel like he wants Mm -hmm. me to. And and I'm going to let her do hers too. Mm -hmm. And we are really close friends. And yet we're not the same spiritually at all. And I think opening Mm -hmm. myself up to seeing that other people view spirituality different than I do. Yeah. It's great. And we were grew up with, it was a huge thing thrown around. And now I see unity as a very different way, but we were always preaching, you know, unity basically was conforming to being (laughs) the same as the person sitting next to you. And Uh that's not. And so I think seeing, getting away from that and seeing how beautiful it is Mm. other people's relationships and their spirituality and how they Mm -hmm. or whatever it's great it's Mm. so great to be in that Mm. open space I think and to open up to others if Mm. I I think back to the past here we preached the bible and all this and yet we were so judgmental towards people you Mm -hmm. you turned people away with your judgment think okay if the goal is to bring god to the world right if that's the goal then why are we judging people rather than i look at like how i live my life now Mm. someone wants to come and ask me a question about my spirituality god or church or whatever I'm open to it, you Mm -hmm. know, and they would feel more open coming and talking to me about it because of how I live my life. Mm -hmm. This is how it used to be in the group. Yeah. You're just judging it. Oh yeah. God will love you if get rid of those pants. So it's just, Uh it's very interesting to be in that whole, it's Mm a whole different space. Yes. Yeah. No, thank you for digging into that and explaining that. Cause I think 
people can again jump to those conclusions about what that means so i'm like okay like i want her i want you to explain that from yeah. your own perception because like i know the very few posts that i have done every once in a while about spirituality people will be like oh thank you like i needed this and so yeah. that's something that like i do want to start talking about more but yeah wondering how to do that and navigating mm. it it's hard because we get yeah, that judgment like we we've do. talked about. And, <laughs> and I think the thing to, that's so important to remember is yeah. that hopefully we're constantly evolving and changing mm -hmm. and growing. Yes. So our viewpoints are going to change. I mm -hmm. think that's a natural progression is as we are deconstructing, like you said, our past, mm -hmm. we're going to change. You know, mm -hmm. I look at my, you're fresh in this journey. I look at my 12 years now and think, oh my gosh, how much I've changed. Like mm -hmm. I am a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's good. Yeah. It's good. I feel mm -hmm. like, like I said, I feel secure in my relationship with God now where 10 years ago, I had no mm -hmm. clue which way was up. Yeah. So I think it's just, it is a natural progression of we're changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, our thoughts, our values, things are mm -hmm. going to change. Mm -hmm. So you can doing your growth and oh, thank you. let the judgmental ones judge yeah. all they want you know yeah that's so true thank you it's hard but it is hard yeah it is <laughs> yeah so is there anything before we end in this interview is there anything you would yeah. like to say to people who are stuck in these high control religions or cults my the thing i would probably say most is trust yourself if you're having feelings don't mm -hmm. feel right. Explore, explore mm -hmm. other options, talk to other people. Again, like we've talked about before, there's so many resources out there. Explore them a little bit, mm -hmm. look into things on your own. Don't just, if you're having feelings about something, don't just push them under the rug because that happens way too often. It gets you nowhere, but yeah, I would say be, it's hard to be open-minded when you're in a group like that. Because yeah. it's easy to say, be open-minded and try other things. But <laughs> I know what that's yeah. like. You're mm. not open-minded. You're the opposite. Yeah. So it's really hard to say, be open-minded. But if you're having feelings that don't mm -hmm. feel good, then trust trust yourself. Mm. Trust yourself more. I didn't trust myself. Yeah. Mm. There's still times I don't. But yeah. trust trust your own feelings and what your body and your brain is telling you, for mm. sure. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Mm. Because... When you're in, it's hard, man. It's hard. Yes. And like, that is fantastic advice because they really do, those environments cut you off from yourself. And like we talked about, that individuality and that sense of mm -hmm. self and that trust. So once you actually have that trust and connect with yourself, you can become autonomous, which is really what they right. want to keep you from doing. Exactly. Honestly. Exactly. Mm, yes. yes. But oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored on. to be on <laughs> your podcast. Course. This has been so Aww. much fun. I need to get my journal out now and try to remember <laughs> all the advice that I got from you. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Oh. This is really great, though. Seriously, yeah. thank you so much, Andrew. Of course. And thank you for everyone who is listening. And this is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.
Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.